I don't know when it is that I got old. I feel like within the last couple of months or so, I've just started to feel old. <laughs> I just uh, recorded a little bit to make sure that my audio was okay, and I reviewed that footage, and I just looked at myself like, dang, Ronnie, you kind of look old, <laughs> which adds up because uh, my 20-year high school reunion is this year, which is just crazy. Um, I have no idea how that happened, but anywho, welcome to Ronnie's Reflections, episode number 73. My name is Ronnie, and this is a video and a podcast where I look back on the week that I had. It's my journal. It's everything that I did within the last week where we cover a question of the week, stuff and things that are on my mind, things that I watched, games that I played, and whatever else might pop up. Today is April 2nd, 2023, not April Fool's Day. A little sidebar, I don't like April Fool's Day. You get so many things that pop up online and everybody's trying to be funny. Ha ha ha, April Fool's, I got you. And it's great if you're the person that is tricking people, but if you're the person being tricked, it just doesn't feel good. So I'm glad that we're past April Fool's. If it's a holiday, it's my least favorite holiday of all the holidays. Um, it is 921 in the morning, Sunday. Beautiful. Going to be a beautiful day in Kansas. I'm actually wearing shorts for the first time. Check this out. Boom. Look at them white legs. Yeah, if you're listening to this on podcast form and not watching it, you made a very good choice. <laughs> I need to get outside and, and play some golf or something. I really need to work on the yard a little more. I did a little bit of that yesterday. It's not my favorite thing in the whole world. Uh, I still have the leaves that I need to get rid of in the front yard. Hopefully, hopefully that's what we're going to do today. Weekends are where I'm like really productive around the house. I get the floors uh, vacuumed. I try and vacuum the floors once a week on the weekend clean the bathrooms, laundry is always a big thing on the weekends. I've got sheets and I've got blankets going today. We've got a lot of stuff going and it's pretty wild, pretty crazy, and I'm old. <laughs> Listener feedback, our question of the week last week was, what is something you are excited about that you recently discovered? Emil said, ironically, it was streaming on YouTube. The last time I did a stream was in November and I got busy with a movie project, so my streaming endeavors fell by the wayside somewhat. I enjoyed it so much that I feel I don't want as much time to go by before I stream again. I am glad you're back. I love me some Mass Effect. We've been talking and geeking out in the Brickatech Discord, uh, I guess private messaging each other, about our PC setups. His PC runs like a champ, and I just kind of geek out over PC components because I'm a nerd, and that's what I do. I think the next time that I do a PC, I'm not going to just do the lazy thing and buy something off of the shelf. I'm going to take the time and do the research and build the PC myself the right way. I've got a really, like, it's a pretty good PC. It's a pre-built CyberPower that I bought, like, five years ago, and it was a Black Friday deal, so it was super cheap, and it still runs great, and the only thing that I do on it is business-related stuff, like uh, checking emails, printing labels for eBay, listing, I don't even list on there. So it's a pretty minimal-use computer, so... Specking it out and getting like this ridiculous gaming PC doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but who knows? It sounds fun to build your own computer, and I've never done that from, from scratch. Uh, new name, who dis? Minimal Brick. This is Richard Mincy, folks. Richard has changed his name, and he kind of comments about this. It's cool that we got the before it happened, and then he made the comment, and now it's happened, and his comment showed it up as Minimal Brick. So if you're into the Lego content, follow Minimal Brick on the YouTubes. He puts out a lot of short-form content, which I love. I'm going to talk more about that a little bit later. Uh, but just an overall, all-around, stand-up awesome dude. He said, I've recently discovered that my Lego content on my YouTube channel is kind of what the people want. 
I'm enjoying the comments. I get about all my Lego mocks, and it makes me want to keep building. Seriously considering changing the channel name to something with a daggum brick in it. Just enjoying seeing some growth on the channel. <laughs> yep, if you want to reel in those Lego peeps, it's got to have the word brick in it. And you've done that, Minimal Brick. I dig the name. Uh, I dig your vibe. I dig your channel. I'm kind of sad to maybe hear that we're not going to be getting any more dad vlogs. Those were my kind of content, but I know that that's not what uh, most of the people out on the YouTubes are in search for. Uh, those are the only two comments this week, but I did want to say, because it came up two different times in the Brickitech Discord this week, um, where people were saying, hey, I'm following along on your show, but I'm just not getting over there and commenting, and I feel bad about that. And I don't want you guys to feel bad about that. Um, just because I ask for listener feedback or I read listener feedback, that doesn't mean that you need to feel compelled to come over to YouTube and comment just for the sake of commenting. If there's something that you want to say that you want to kind of add to the conversation, then that's awesome. Feel free to come over and type in that comment. But if you're just listening to this in podcast land and you're on that treadmill, uh, you're on that elliptical, you're lifting those weights, you're driving down the, the road, like don't open up YouTube and feel like you have to leave a comment just to support me. Support me by just listening to the show, uh, and, and that's awesome. That's more than anything that I could ever ask for. So don't ever feel compelled to come over and leave a comment. Question of the week this week. Um, oh, and by the way, we are down to our last 10 cards on the uh, green and purple and blue We Connect cards. So we're down to 10 of them. And then after that, I think what I'm going to do is uh, I originally started this kind of question of the week segment with these things, which is table topics. It says slumber party table topics, questions to start, great conversation. So I think that those can kind of be the thing that I can replace the We Connect cards with because I'm pretty sure there's some different kind of avenues that we can go with that. Um, so I'm excited about that. We're almost through, I think it's a, yeah, it's a 60 card deck of We Connect cards, which is awesome. So that's neat little milestone there. We're on the last 10 cards and our question of the week this week is what is a fun experience that you have had recently? And this week and last week, I'm kind of cheating because um, the questions that they ask are things that I'm going to talk about anyway. So my answer to the question of the week this week is to move on to stuff on my mind, which is the next segment, and just talk about things that were fun experiences that I had that happened recently. <laughs> I think that makes total sense. So first thing on my mind that is a fun experience that I've had recently, guitar update. I have now let me preface this by saying I am loving being back into the guitar. And also on top of that, I feel like I feel like I'm I don't know if I'm in a place where it's easier for me to learn songs and to experience growth, but for example, one song that I used to try and learn the intro to that is an iconic song that it's not a song that I think is like one of my favorites, but I love the guitar riff and we're talking about Sweet Home Alabama, that 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 part of that song, I love that. If you can pick up a guitar and you can play that, then the ladies are gonna take notice. Let's just let's just say that. At least that's what I'm telling myself in my mind. So yeah, I could never figure out that guitar part whenever I was younger, but I came back to it this week. And I've had the kind of challenge for myself to learn a new song every day, to record it, and to put it on Facebook as kind of an accountability measure. Because it's easy to just say, oh, I'm going to learn a song a day, 
and then not have any accountability. By posting those things on Facebook, maybe there's somebody out there that uh, if I don't post for a little while, they'll say, hey, what's the deal, dude? You were posting these videos every day, and you, you said that you were going to, and you've fallen off the track. So where are my videos? Where are my videos of you shredding axe and melting face? And maybe with that, I can keep up with a little better. So I've done a good job. Like every single day this past week, I think we were seven for seven that I uploaded a guitar playing video. And one of the videos that I uploaded was Sweet Home Alabama. I figured out the intro. Uh, It's really not as difficult as what I was making it out to be whenever I was younger. Maybe the guitar that I have now is just a little bit better. I, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. Should I grab a guitar right now and play that intro for you? I feel like I should. That's it. That's all there is to it. It's not like it took me a little bit. I would say it took me maybe 30 minutes to get it down to where I could do it pretty consistently. And now I've just got it. I've just got it. It's so exciting to see growth like that. I love it. So I don't know if I mentioned it before, but uh, up to this point, I've learned 12 new songs since I've come back to guitar, and I've kind of gone all over the place with the different songs and genres that I've done. I've got Adam's Song by Blink, Come As You Are by Nirvana, Sad But True by Metallica, Backyard and Green Squirrel by Hot Mulligan, uh, Monk by Carly Cosgrove, Silver Bullet by Garden, I Miss You by Oasis, or no, I Miss You by Blink, Oasis, Wonderwall. Country Roads, I don't know who that's by. Country Roads, take me home. I wanted to be like Dwight and Andy from The Office, and and I definitely felt like that whenever I was playing that one. Sweet Home Alabama, and then the one I learned yesterday was No Good by Knuckle Puck. Um, there's, there's just something about scratching a creative itch that feels really, really good, and that definitely scratches a creative itch on a couple of different levels. I mean, it's not only playing guitar and learning songs and seeing progression and getting a little bit better each time that I pick it up. But I also get to make videos about it, which I've come to realize at this stage in my life that I really enjoy the video making process. Um, And I enjoy it so much that I've got all these different channels and I'm making video content for my day job, which I feel really, really fortunate that I can bring a passion into a day job and I can, you know, pay my bills and get a very comfortable salary doing that kind of thing, but then I can, you know, during the off hours, make that kind of a passion project. And it just, it just feels really, really good. I love everything that's happening in the creative world of Ronnie currently. Next topic, let's talk about Beckett's first soccer game. He had his first soccer game yesterday morning, uh, the Parsons Soccer League. The practices were a little dicey. We talked about that before, where there's only five total kids on each team. But then there's, I think, six or seven different teams within this city. And it's a relatively small city. I think maybe around ten or 15,000. So to get five or six teams of, uh, I think they're all kindergarten age, kindergarten, first grade maybe. They're all about Beckett's size and uh, somewhat ability level. <laughs> um, and then they, they, so they had that game yesterday. And it was, it was they do it right. So the worst thing about basketball was that it was just a lot in one day. So they would bring us into the gym and they would have two games and one practice. And the games were about 30, no, the, yeah, the games were about 30, 30 to 45 minutes a piece. I think they played four quarters, the games were long, and then they played another game or they had a practice in between. You were basically committed to three hours 
of your Sunday, because these were on Sunday, um, for four weeks, which is a lot. And not only is it a lot for parents, but it's a lot for kindergarten age kids like Beckett. Um, he was exhausted. I mean, after all of that, running back and forth and being engaged and trying to be, you know, enthusiastic about something that's not really his thing at this point, but the soccer games, I love the format of this. So our game was at nine o'clock. It was 44 degrees at kickoff. Winds were howling at 15 miles an hour. So it was freezing cold. We had him bundled up. He looked good. Uh, yeah, he looked good. He played a good game. He tried really hard. And the game was only 30 minutes in total. I think there were maybe like two 10-minute halves. And soccer is just a really, really cool game for younger kids because it just doesn't require as much uh, fine motor skills, I guess, is what you would say. You don't have to use your hands. It's just running and kicking and running and kicking. And, yeah, there is a lot of skill that goes into it, but it's it just has a little bit lower threshold for uh, participating in it, I guess, than basketball does. I mean, Beckett is not great at dribbling. He's not a gifted runner. He can't really jump super great. He doesn't understand the concepts of defense and offense. He can't shoot the ball up above the rim. So there's a lot of barriers for entry for him in basketball. Whereas in soccer, he can run, he can kick, he can play soccer. And he was a little bit timid at first, I would say. But um, by the end of it, he was really going after it. I was really proud of him. He was he was running after the ball every time, and he was making grunting noises when he kicked a la Serena Williams. I don't know where that came from. Uh, for half of the game, we found out that he was trying to grow four legs so that he could be like the ultimate soccer player. He was just kind of like doing these weird, freaky movements, and I thought he was attacking his shadow. But apparently he was trying to morph into the ultimate soccer player. And that involved in his mind of having four arms and four legs. <laughs> he literally told us that during a timeout. Because we're like, Beckett, what are you doing? Get in the game. He's like, I'm trying to grow four arms and four legs. And we're like, that's our boy. That's our Beckett. He had fun. Uh, I love the format of it. It was get in, get the games done, and then move on with your life. It was the right amount of activity for him uh, and for us, too, as well as as spectators. So that was great. It was really, really cool. Uh, I'm excited about soccer, and I think that he really enjoyed it. And he's engaged with it. He's not wanting to quit. Um, so I think it's it's good things all around. Uh, last thing that we want to talk about, stuff on my mind that's also a fun experience that I had recently. Friday of this past week was the official release date of Scarlet and Violet, which is the new Pokemon set. Um, a new generation of Pokemon has entered the, f- the fray. And whenever I got into Pokemon a year ago, we were kind of in the middle of the Sword and Shield era. So if you didn't know, the eras of Pokemon are stamped by a base set. And so previously it was Sword and Shield. Before that, I think it was X and Y. And before that, it was Diamond and Pearl. All the way back, you could go back to like Ruby Red and Leaf Green. I'll butcher them. I don't know. But I didn't come into the collectible trading card game or really anything Pokemon until the middle of Sword and Shield. Now we are in a fresh start of Scarlet and Violet, and there's a lot of changes that have happened. The big one is that they've got silver borders on the cards now. They went away from the yellow borders uh, in English cards, and they went to silver borders, which I think is a great uh, upgrade. The Japanese cards have had silver borders maybe forever. I think it just looks a little classier. The quality of the cards is much better. It used to be with the Sword and Shield cards that they would be uh, cut 
at different lengths, and whenever you lined up a stack of cards, you could see some of the cards sticking out a little bit. And now whenever you line up Scarlet and Violet cards, they don't stick out as as bad. So that's important if you're going to grade cards, which, spoiler alert, we're going to get into that here in just a second. If you're going to grade cards, there's more consistency. And it sucks whenever you open up a pack and you pull a big card and you realize that it's off-centered or there's just some kind of defect within it because it's not going to grade well. And that's that's a mint card right out of the pack and you would expect as a consumer that you're buying something in mint condition right whenever you open it. So transitioning over to grading, I finally pulled the trigger on a graded card submission this week. I'm really excited about it. I am extremely paranoid about it because I gathered up all of my big hitter cards, 25 of them, that I've pulled over the past year of being in Pokemon, and I sent them to CGC grading. I went with CGC grading over PSA, over Beckett, because the turnaround time is only 30 days. That's what they quote, but a lot of people say they get them back within two weeks. I think that the slabs for CGC are better looking, and then you also have the potential of getting a pristine 10 with CGC, which is actually worth more than a PSA. So ultimately, what I want to accomplish with my my graded cards is that I'm not looking to grade them and flip them. These are cards that are going to be part of my collection. And then if the thing does happen at some point, as has proven to happen within Ronnie's realm of whatever it is, <laughs> I get into things and I get out of things. So if I were to ever get out of Pokemon at some point, I would have these graded cards, which are are really easy to sell because it's like you don't have to guess at the condition of something that you're looking at. Uh, And typically, as long as they grade nine or above, you're going to be able to make money on your submission. Uh, The other reason that I went with CGC is the pricing. If you submit 25 cards, you get bulk pricing, uh, and that means that your grading costs $15 per card. If you don't submit 25 cards, I think that the pricing is $25 each. So you get a pretty significant discount just for submitting a bunch of cards at one time. So uh, the process was actually really easy. You sign up for a membership, uh, and I elected to go with the premium membership, which costs $150. But the cool thing about that is that they give you $150 credit. So as soon as you do your first submission, you get all of that money back. They also give you a $20 voucher to get a card shipping kit. Uh, So I ordered that, but I went ahead and shipped my cards, but it's just a little $20 freebie that they throw in, which I think is cool. And then you get, I think, 10% off on something else as well. I don't know. Like the big thing for me was the $150 credit because I knew I was going to go for that bulk submission. I knew that I was going to immediately throw them $150. So I went ahead and went for that, that level. It made sense to me. It cost me $400 (laughs) to uh, do the submission for all 25 of those cards, so definitely not cheap. Uh, They're going to take the $150 off of that, so that's that's good. But ultimately, you know, it's going to cost me about $400 uh, to submit 25 cards. I made a boo-boo, and I left one of my bigger cards, uh, like Umbreon V Alternate Art from Evolving Skies, out, and I meant to put it in a different case, and then I'd already gone through and done the submission, and then I realized it was just sitting there, so that one's going to have to just chill out, I guess, for another year or so, however long it takes me to get 25 cards together to get graded. Um, The total estimated value of all those cards is just over $1,400. So to put that amount of money into a little bitty box and to ship it away to somebody, it's a little worrisome. It's a little worrisome. But, 
you know, I've had these cards just kind of sitting in a box tucked away. I didn't have them on display. I wasn't able to look at them. So I see this as a no-brainer other than, you know, like having to pony up the $400. Now after I get them back, you know, hopefully some of them will get some really good grades. If they don't, I really don't. I'm not going to be too heartbroken if they get like sevens and eights. That's my big thing is is encasing them, having them uh, displayable, and to where I'm not worried about them getting further damage. Because right now I really can't I can't enjoy them the way that they are. They're too valuable to have on display. But if I can get them encased, uh, then I can have them on display. So I'm really really stoked about like everything within Pokemon. Uh, also doing some more short form content. I just edited up a video today. Uh, I opened up a, an Elite Trainer box yesterday uh, that was exclusive to Pokemon Center and decided to make a video out of it, and that was fun. And the reason I did that is because I've been doing just one short video each week on Sold by Ronnie, and each week those videos are getting like thousands of views, like anywhere between one and 3,000 views. And each time I do it, it's bringing in subscribers, it's bringing in new people, um, and and the short form content is just really fun to make. It's it's a low barrier entry kind of thing to where you don't have to. I feel I feel not. I don't feel stressed whenever I make longer form content. It just feels like it just feels lighter. I got, I don't know how to describe it. Making that short form content, it's lighter. It's more fun. You can have a goofy idea and you can try something and you can throw it on the channel and if it works out, great. Like. Last week, I was talking about that video that I put on there that I was worried about the perception of people seeing my Pokemon investing video and them thinking that I'm just like a dirty, rotten reseller and I'm only in the hobby for the money uh, and just like all these things. Whereas the short form content is just short. It's just quick. It's just fun. And I like adding the uh, the music to it and the editing, the pacing, get trying to trim the story down to a minute. Uh, it's, it's like Greg says, you know, you've got your clay and you're trying to mold it into a story. And it's fun to tell those little one-minute stories because I, I, I myself find myself, I myself find myself <laughs> consuming way more short-form content than I do YouTube videos. There's a couple of channels that I'll watch on the regular, uh, and it's mo mostly to support people that I know, quote-unquote, internet, uh, internet know through associations through the internet. People like Greg, people like Richard, people like Andy, people like Emil. Uh, people like Carter, you know, like I will watch their content and I will support them because I know them. But outside of that, there's maybe like one or two actual YouTube creators that make content that I will go back and watch. Whereas with TikTok, and Greg was talking about this on his podcast, there's just so, such better discoverability and the algorithm knows what kind of videos to feed me. And you just never know what it's what it's going to be. And I, I, I don't think it's any secret that short form content is the future of video creation. So it makes sense to me to get good at creating that and crafting those stories as the audience gets hungrier and hungrier for short-form content. Of course, I balance that out, and I still have my longer-form stuff as well, uh, which continues to perform decently on Sold by Ronnie. Uh, but yeah, ultimately, I'm just, I'm just a pig in slop, basically. I'm happy little clam, all that stuff on my mind. Uh, those have been fun experiences that I've had recently. And I would love to hear any fun experiences you guys have. But again, don't feel compelled to come over and leave a comment. You just listening is reward enough for me. Next category is the stuff that I watched this week. We've got three things, sort of, to talk about. Uh, I've been watching a lot of Big Bang Theory. I don't really need to talk about that. But that's been the main thing that I've still continued to watch. 
and I'm still really enjoying them. I'm almost through season two. Can't wait to continue on and dive into season three. But the three things that I actually did want to talk about are Andor, Mandalorian, and Avatar 2. So Andor, I watched the first three episodes initially whenever it came out, and it didn't really hook me, went away from it, and now I've come back to it. Last night, I think I finished episode eight, and I'm really enjoying it. I love the kind of behind-the-scenes look at the Empire or First Order or whatever you want to call them. It is very confusing for me with timelines, watching two different Star Wars things that occur in different timelines, but I think I've got it, but a lot of times I have to remind myself before I start an episode, okay, when is this taking place so that I understand kind of the direction that it's going? And when I realize that uh, like Mandalorian and Andor, like those are leading up to bigger events in Star Wars, but they're telling those tiny micro stories that really flesh out the universe. I've talked about that before. I love that in Star Wars. And I really love the the characters that we don't know that have never been mentioned before. These empirical officers. There's a female officer in particular that I think is really, she's a really compelling character and she's starting to get some more screen time now. And I love the dynamic that she is bringing to the table, uh, just kind of going back and forth with this behind the scenes investigation that's going on. Andor to me is not the star of Andor. He is not even in the show all that much. They're telling a story that kind of revolves around him, sort of, but really ultimately it revolves around the Star Wars universe leading up to the events in Rogue One. And uh, it's really compelling stuff. I can't wait to see where it goes. I did some reading today. Apparently they're going to do a season two and that the first season uh, takes place over the course of one year and that season two will take place over the course of three or four years leading up to the events of Rogue One. So I hope that that's true and that Andor does continue on because I am actually really enjoying that. The slower pace, totally fine with me. It was it was a little bit muddled there in the middle while they were kind of building up to a bigger battle. Uh, but now that we're kind of getting some behind the scenes in the Empire, I really like that. I like me a bad guy. What can I say? Mandalorian. Uh, Mandalorian. I don't really know. I don't know how I feel about it. I just don't know how I feel about it. Um, it's it's corny. It's goofy. The way, like, I just, I don't see how the events of the Mandalorian fit into the bigger picture of the Star Wars universe as well as I see how the events in Andor are fitting in. It seems like they kind of had something in Mandalorian where it was like, ooh, baby Yoda, that's intriguing. And now we've got to figure out uh, you know, eight or nine adventures for these dudes to team up on and go on. And we're going to make, you know, like 20,000 seasons of television and really stretch it very thin. I feel like the show is stretched very thin with the plot lines they're going through. There was one plot line where they spent the entire episode trying to retrieve a Mandalorian child that had been taken by some kind of giant bird creature. And it was like, Why? <laughs> Why are we going on a random side fetch quest? And I guess ultimately it probably did build to something that I won't spoil. And you probably needed to have that in order for that trust to happen and for the thing to ultimately happen. But I don't know. Like I kind of squint my eyes at Mandalorian and I'm like, am I liking this or am I just watching it because it's Star Wars and I feel like I need to... I need to be up on the conversation because my video game buddies, Josh and Ryan, they they watch this and they talk about it, and Ryan, God love his soul, he he has a hard time not spoiling things, so <laughs> I try and get ahead of him a little bit as much as I can and, and watch this stuff so it doesn't get spoiled, 
but even if it did at this point, I really don't care because um, I, I don't know. Like it's just not it's not super compelling at this point. But there's still some more episodes left in the current season. Hopefully they will uh, turn it around. Last thing I want to talk about is Avatar 2. I started to watch that yesterday. I only made it 20 minutes. The I think the knowledge. I wish I wouldn't have seen how long the movie is. Uh, but I checked. I paused like five minutes into the movie to see how long that movie is, and it's over three hours long. And immediately I was just met with uh, the thought that I was not going to be able to do this. Like I'm I'm defeated. <laughs> that movie is. People were hyping it up so much that it looked so beautiful and yada yada yada, and it was such a giant leap forward. To me, it looks like the same Avatar that we saw. 10 years ago and the story is still fern gully right isn't it just fern gully but with explosions and sex and humans and blue people like isn't isn't that what we're watching i i don't get it i don't i don't know i guess i will try and go back and give it a second pass and try and try and forge through it but man it was just really not resonating with me yesterday it was not not compelling in the least bit, but over the course of a three-hour movie, maybe it's going to be. The, once I saw that it was three hours and I really started to pay attention to what I was seeing on the screen, which was five ten-minute scenes that could have been one minute. They just really drew it out, and I feel like James Cameron was in the editing room just like <laughs> having a big old O, if you know what I mean. Uh, just talking like, oh my gosh, like, I, look what I've created. It's so beautiful. And we've got to look at this world for 10 minutes at a time. And it's like, get on with it, dude. Like, come on, three, three, over three hour long movie. Just get over yourself. It's too much. It's too much. But as much crap talking as I'm doing about it, I'll try and go back to it. You guys, you guys should talk me into it. If you think that it's worth watching, let me know. And if not, let me know that as well. <laughs> Last thing we need to talk about today is the games I played. I've got one game that I want to talk about. Uh, continuing on to Fortnite, so not really talking anything there. Nothing new has really occurred. But the game that I do want to talk about, I just bought yesterday. I bought a game. I went to the store. Um, after Beckett's soccer game, I decided that I was going to buy this game finally after several weeks of convincing myself that I didn't need to buy it, that I shouldn't own it, that I love the series so much that it's one of my favorite all-time video games ever on the Super Nintendo. But all of the discourse that I read about this uh, updated remake is that it has a very confusing map system and that you're going to get lost and there's going to be a lot of backtracking. And that, if you know anything about me, I hate that in video games. Getting lost and having to go to the internet to figure out where I'm supposed to go I don't like that, and I know that video game creators like to do that in Zelda games and Metroid games to where it encourages uh, self-discovery on your own, and that that feels really good whenever you do solve that puzzle and you do get to move forward in the game, but I guess I'm an old man shaking my fist at this game at 38 years old, or at games like that. I shouldn't say this game, because this game is not like that. At games like that where I get lost and just saying, respect my time more. I've got things to do. I want to play a video game, and I don't want to have to study in order to be successful at it. I'm very happy to let you know that Metroid Prime, the remake, the remastered, the HD version, whatever they're calling it, that's a good game. And I got a little confused one time, and I went to the internet one time, and I think I put, I would say I put three to four hours into it yesterday. So that's a lot, like, that's a good chunk of your Saturday, and I don't usually 
dedicate that much amount of time to one video game in one day. So I think that says something about it. But it's so buttery smooth. The controls are so good. Uh, there's a casual mode. Whenever you boot up the game, you can do normal mode or you can do casual mode. I don't think that there was a casual mode in this game previously. I played a little bit of it back in the day on the GameCube. I think it originally came out on GameCube. And I couldn't I couldn't get into it, despite the fact that one of my all-time favorite games is Super Metroid. I love that game on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, played the heck out of that game. Had the guide. Did all the things. Uh, fond, fond childhood memories of playing that game. With my buddy Danny. <laughs> Core childhood memory unlocked. <laughs> Danny's house is the first place that I saw pornography. His dad had pornography. Don't tell on him. Sidebar, we'll never talk about that again. So that's a thing. <laughs> My mom and dad knew that Danny was bad news, and, and he was. He was bad news. <laughs> I wonder what old Danny's up to nowadays. But anyway, uh, back to Metroid Prime. Um, the controls, fantastic. Casual mode, booyah. The map system, it's a little bit weird. It's a three-dimensional map, so it takes a little bit of getting used to to kind of figure out that thing. But I love the fact that anywhere that you've already gone, it colors it one color, and anywhere that you haven't gone, it colors it another color. So I could open up the map, and I could be like, I don't know where to go, but I can see on the map here that I hadn't gone here before. And now I've unlocked the Morph Ball ability or the Charge Blaster ability or the Missile ability, and I remember there being a door there that I could shoot with a missile that I didn't have at the time that I have now. So I'll go back there and I can proceed in the game. That was one of the things that I really loved about Super Metroid was the fact that you were upgrading your character before really upgrading your character was a thing in video games. And then as you upgraded your character, you could unlock different sections of the map. I love that. Uh, the newest Metroid, Metroid Dread, which is like the spiritual successor to... Super Metroid, I couldn't get into that. The nemesis thing that would kill you in one hit frustrated me to no end, so I kind of bounced off of that and I wound up selling the game. I might go back to that game now that Metroid is kind of back in my good graces, uh, but that game, I don't feel like it, it did a good job of giving you hints and things where you could go. The other thing that Metroid uh, Prime has going for it, I think I keep calling it Metroid Fusion, it's Metroid Prime for the Nintendo Switch. $40 game, by the way, so it's not full price. I love that. Definitely worth $40. Bucks. Uh, you have a visor that you can switch on, and it will show you where there might be little secret things that you can scan. And then when you scan them, like a brick that can be exploded with one of the little morph ball bombs, it will tell you this wall can be exploded with a concussive blast. And then you know, okay, so if I do my morph ball, like that's going to unlock something and I can get in there. Whereas in Dread, in the Super Nintendo version... They didn't really have a, a super easy way for you to do that. You could <clears throat> unlock an ability in the uh, Super Metroid, which was like a, a radar visor thing that you could scan the room and it would show you secrets that would, you wouldn't normally see. So I think that that's kind of where that came from. But I don't remember anything like that in Metroid Dread. I remember being really frustrated in Dread and not knowing where to go. And I went to the internet to figure it out. And it was like, oh, there's this block that you just shoot and then you can proceed in the game. And there's no indication that it was a block that you could shoot. And I did that, and I thought, I I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that at all. This game is not respecting my time. And it wasn't long after that that I bounced off of Metroid Dread. But Metroid Prime, I am excited to play more of that game today. I had a blast doing it. 
Um, it has a lock-on feature as well. So it's, it's a first-person Metroid shooter. Um, so you can pull the left trigger, and that'll lock on to your enemy, and then you can pew-pew-pew them. And it's in casual mode, so I haven't died yet, and I love that. And, and we're discovering secrets and leveling up our character, and it's just fun. It's cool. And I think they're uh, remaking number two and number three as well, and I've never touched those. So hopefully Prime continues to be a good thing. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to another great week. I hope you guys are as well. I appreciate you listening in. Remember the question of the week. If you want to answer it, again, no pressure. What's a fun experience that you've had recently? Appreciate you guys. Have a great week. We'll catch you in the next video. Bye-bye.